You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We begin with new information involving the movements of the Integrated Homicide Investigation Team in the hours after a 19-year-old Surrey woman was found murdered. The body of Karen Desi, a college student who had recently recovered from a kidney transplant, was found in a burned-out SUV earlier this month. Our Rumina Dea has been working on this story and joins us now live with more details. Rumina, this involves a house in the Newton area. It does, Sophie. We received a tip about the house and we've been investigating for two days now. And just a few hours ago, a man came out of the property and he was screaming and he smashed our Global News microvan with a baseball bat. Now, no one was hurt. The operator was able to drive away and Surrey RCMP are now investigating. So here's what we can tell you that we've uncovered. Two days after Desi's body was found in a burned out vehicle in Surrey on August 2nd, a search warrant was executed for the home that we've been investigating. Who were police looking for? We don't know. What were they looking for? We don't know because the details of that search warrant are sealed. We're not even allowed to know the name of the judge who issued the order. Witnesses, however, Sophie, tell us that hours after Desi's body was found, the home in question was taped off. Dozens of investigators, including IHIT, descended upon the neighborhood and they stayed for about a week, which is unusual. They were gathering... Police were coming around asking questions, asking if we had a loud bang. On the street. Yeah, neighbors said that uh, cops were very eager to get any video footage, kind of pushing them to go back as far as they could. All right, we're dealing with some technical difficulties with that story. I will check in with Rumina Dea for more on that story when we're able to establish a connection once again. Our apologies for that. Moving on to other news today. Homicide investigators have identified a 22-year-old man gunned down in a car outside a Cloverdale home last night as a young gang associate. The rapid fire of shots heard just before 9 o'clock, shocking neighbors in the area. Grace Key has more on the shooting and the victim's previous contact with police. Morning family members arrive at the Cloverdale home of a 22-year-old man who just hours ago was gunned down in his driveway as he sat in his car. Cooking the chicken in the home and um, going to ride with uh, come here and the uh, the victim has been identified as Pardeep Singh. At 8.45 Tuesday night, police arrived at a 6300 block of 166th Street after reports of gunfire. When they arrived, Singh was already dead. I don't know. I see. Dow, 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 dow. I heard a three, four uh, bang, bang, bang. And then we came out and we saw one guy dead in the car. Singh has been a victim of violence in the past. Two years ago, RCMP released the names of five men who were connected to four shootings in Surrey, all involving low-level drug deals. Police described Singh as being an uncooperative victim. When we initially released Mr. Singh's name uh, and said that he was an uncooperative victim, we did that to prevent this from happening, and it happened anyway. Our message to the people is that... Um, we're doing what we can, but we need their help. Police say Singh was associated with gangs, but a motive is still unclear. Who would do this? Grace Key, Global News. 
The Coast Guard rescuing five people from a burning boat near Gabriola Island. Pictures you're seeing from Global One show the smoke rising from the fishing vessel. Flames were spotted coming from the 22-meter boat just after 5 this afternoon. No word on what started the fire or if anyone was injured, but everyone has been rescued from that boat and transported to safety. Police have identified four teenagers allegedly responsible for egging a 13-year-old boy and leaving him with a serious eye injury. A warning, this story contains some graphic images. The 13-year-old was walking home along Highland Boulevard in North Vancouver last week when he was hit with an egg thrown from a black Honda CRV. Police say the accused, three 18-year-olds and a 17-year-old from North Vancouver, could be charged with assault-causing bodily harm. Police say there have been several other eggings on the North Shore this month, the last one Thursday night near Sutherland School. Fortunately, that throw missed its target. Dramatic footage of rescue teams plucking people to safety in Texas. Tropical Storm Harvey making its third landfall this morning, bringing even more torrential rain to the already soaked state. Large parts of Houston are already underwater, and yet there are warnings tonight the worst is not over yet. More than 20 people now reported dead. That number is only expected to rise. Some evacuation centers have been flooding, forcing evacuees to move again. And stretches of highway now submerged, looking more like the open ocean. Ted Chernecki has the latest. For the first time in a week, the sun peaked through thin clouds over Houston, and the floodwaters there have started to recede. Even the city's two airports are expected to reopen. But it's a far different story just up the coast towards Louisiana. Tropical storm Harvey has hit land again for the third time. We were like so happy, like God had to answer our prayer. The before and after shots in the Beaumont and Port Arthur area near the state line where 78 centimeters of rain has fallen in the last 24 hours. Hundreds of helicopter rescues, 24,000 National Guard members now in action, along with the thousands of Good Samaritans. We just, we just drove the, the boat as fast as we could up into the trees. We thought we lost him. He went quiet, and so we were screaming and hollering at him. As Harvey churns inland, back in Houston, the storm is starting to give up its dead. A van with two adults and four grandkids is missing no longer. Also among the victims, a mother who tried to swim to safety with her child. Apparently the infant was clinging to her uh, in the water. They weren't able to resuscitate her. The baby, we're told, however, was alert and uh, conscious. We're inside. They got people all in the bleachers. They got mattresses on top of the chair. An evacuation center had to be evacuated in Port Arthur. I've been through Katrina, Rita, and Ike, and this is by far the worst. A thousand homes destroyed, 50,000 damaged, five straight days of rain dropping just over 150 centimeters or four feet of water, making this the heaviest tropical downpour ever recorded in the continental United States. Preliminary estimate of federal money needed to help rebuild, according to Texas State Governor Greg Abbott, far in excess of $125 billion. Tetranaki Global News. And Global's Reed Feist is on the ground in Houston tonight, seeing the devastation and the cleanup firsthand. Reed, tell us more. 
Yeah, Sophie, the sun is going down here, but it was a really warm day, about 30 degrees Celsius. It was a sunny day, and that has allowed in the majority of Houston uh, for the waters to recede. And we're in a community that was flooded. The water probably would have been up to my waist. Uh, but now the people here are cleaning up and recovering. You can see debris on the road. You can kind of smell it, or you could earlier in the heat of the day, that kind of warm, wet carpet, uh, wood, flooring, etc. We uh, caught up with uh, some Houstonians who are beginning the process to clean up their home. Uh, they're both Canadian, in fact. Uh, one was uh, from Montreal, another from, from Calgary. There are a lot of Canadians here in the Houston area. Uh, you know, and they're starting that process as are many others, uh, hoping that this will be a quick recovery, but knowing that so many people in the city need to do this, it could be a long one. It seeps into everything. So anything that was even a little bit higher um, has to go because it got soaked with water. So we're tearing out floors, we're tearing out walls, throwing out furniture. We've ripped out the carpet um, because of the smell. Um, we have to itemize everything that we've lost. We have to write down an itemized list. Um, we've applied through FEMA. Well, and lots of people will be relying on FEMA. That's the federal agency here in the United States that offers uh, support in the wake of emergencies. And one reason for that, Sophie, is that only about one in five Houstonians had flood insurance. It's something extra, a different policy that you needed to have. And despite living in a city that is prone to flooding, many didn't have it. And so uh, they'll be having to come up with the money to recover and rebuild and replace uh, and find those funds somewhere else. Back to you. Recovery is going to take a long time. All right, Reed, thanks for that. A North Vancouver woman is hoping the owner of a dog that fatally attacked her dog last week will do the right thing and come forward. Leora Zalik says her Yorkshire Terrier was picked up and shaken violently by a white shepherd-like dog in the off-leash area of Inter-River Park. Before getting the name and number of the woman who owned the other dog, she rushed hers to a veterinarian. The woman looked on and said, I'm sorry. I turned very, very briefly and said, I know you're sorry, and headed out. Lita died of deep bite wounds through her internal organs and internal bleeding. She died on the surgery table. Animal welfare officers are now trying to locate the dog and its owner. And the victim of a dog attack in Chilliwack is warning others tonight. She says a German shepherd attacked her, leaving her with serious injuries. While RCMP have opened a file, she wants to know why more hasn't been done to protect the public. John Hua reports. Bitten, bruised and in considerable pain. Brianna Bray says every step along this rural road is like reliving a nightmare. When he grabbed onto me was the moment where I'm like... In my head, like, is this over? Bray says she was attacked by a German shepherd last Thursday evening while on a walk just meters away from her boyfriend's Chilliwack home. The owner called the dog off, but she says he tried to downplay the damage. The whole time it was my dog didn't attack you, and it was just like, he just cared about his dog and what was going to happen to his dog, not my well-being. A chunk of her pant leg allegedly torn away as the dog bit her leg. Just one of three puncture wounds Brace suffered to her body. Infection spreading in her thigh requiring daily IV treatments. Nearby residents remember hearing the screams. It turned to quite violent. I said to my husband, there's something happening down there. Somebody's 
in trouble. The dog's owner wouldn't speak on camera, but says the working animal in canine security is undergoing retraining. The RCMP and animal control are currently investigating. There might be some restrictions that are placed on the dog, such as the requirement to wear a muzzle while in public, uh, possibly some containment requirements on property and those kinds of things. Bray says the dog should be put down as a matter of public safety, even if it has no previous history with animal control. If I would have fell down and the dog would have like got my face or my neck, like I might not be standing here. As Bray continues to deal with the pain of her injuries, she says what hurts even more is the handling of the situation by the dog's owner. John Hua, Global News. All right, we want to return now to our top story. More on the Kieran Desi murder investigation. Let's check in with our Ramina Dea once again. And Ramina, this involves a search warrant that was executed at a home in the Newton area just hours after Desi's body was found. So what is IHIT saying about all of this that you've learned tonight? IHIT is not confirming, Sophie, whether that house is connected to the DESI investigation. They're not releasing any details about any potential suspects. They will only say that they are talking to persons of interest. We were at that house yesterday as well as today, and yesterday we spoke to a woman on the property. She was leaving. We wanted to ask her why IHIT was there, why investigators were at that property for a week, which is what witnesses are telling us. And she told us to leave. She said, get off the property. So we did. And at this point, we can say that there, there have been no charges in connection to this investigation. Sophie. All right. Thanks for that update. Ramina Dea reporting for us in Surrey tonight. Getting around parts of B.C. could be a lot tougher down the road if Greyhound has its way. The bus line wants to cut five of its routes, including the entire northern half of the province and the Victoria to Nanaimo route. What's behind the drastic measure in just over a minute? <laughs> Terrifying moments caught on police dash cam in Florida. What happened that made this a double accident scene? Plus, a three-year-old who just wanted to be a princess for the day. Why Disney refused later on the news hour. New Westminster police have made an arrest in the shocking overdose death of a 13-year-old girl last month. Almost as shocking, the suspect is a youth who cannot be identified. Police say two teens bought MDMA from a street-level drug dealer at the 22nd Street Sky train station. And on their way home, the 13-year-old went into medical distress. She died in Royal Columbian Hospital. Charges of drug trafficking are recommended. There is no safe drug. You know, I understand that MDMA has a reputation as being a party drug and a fun drug. But it's not. We've had two deaths now in just about a four-month time period of young girls. Um, we don't want that to happen anymore. So parents and friends and teachers, we all need to have this discussion with people out there and make sure people are really informed about the risks that they're taking. And charges have been laid in the overdose death of a 16-year-old girl in New Westminster back in May. 16-year-old Angel Lawyer Lawrence died after she and her friend both overdosed. The friend survived. Drug trafficking charges have been approved against a 19-year-old man. Communities in northern B.C. and on Vancouver Island are reeling tonight with the news that Greyhound has applied to kill five of its major routes. As Nitu Garcha reports, the cuts would mean the entire northern half of B.C. would lose its Greyhound service. Lonnie Martin is getting on a shuttle to the Prince Rupert Airport. Love you. 
but not everyone can afford to fly. That's why she boards with concern about the future of bus travel to and from her hometown. Taking the Greyhound won't be an option for all of northern B.C. if the company's application to the B.C. Transportation Board is approved. It's going to impact a lot of people that travel for medical and travel for pleasure that don't like to fly. I'd ask them to reconsider it completely because people need it here. Some Vancouver Island riders feel the same way. It would speak volumes if they kept it. Even if, they're, even if it's not profitable, but it helps the community around here. Greyhound Canada says it's been operating in a deficit in B.C. since 2004 and can't sustain the losses. So it wants to discontinue five routes, Victoria to Nanaimo, Dawson Creek to Whitehorse, and Prince George to Valmont, Dawson Creek, and Prince Rupert. The latter, a notorious section called the Highway of Tears, known for the number of women and girls who've gone missing or were murdered along the stretch since the 19th. 1970s. A service cut here would encourage hitchhiking, according to the North Coast Transition Society. Many of our clients cannot afford to travel any other way. So by cutting that, they would have no way of getting out of town, fleeing abuse. The new subsidized carrier on that corridor uh, by the government, the BC Transit, is also offering $5 fares, so it no longer makes that corridor viable for Greyhound. The company says province-wide ridership has dropped 46% since 2010, blaming in part subsidized carriers, adding that it's business as usual, while the application submitted on August 11th is reviewed by the board. And as it deals with early resistance... It needs to be out there that this needs to... This is a route that needs to stay here. The company says there wouldn't be any service changes until 2018. Neetu Garcha, Global News, Prince Rupert. Tough tweet from Donald Trump. The latest in the war of words between the U.S. president and North Korea still to come. And a record year for rescues. Why the Vancouver Aquarium is so busy. Up next. With four months still to go, it has already been a record-breaking year for the Vancouver Aquarium's Marine Mammal Rescue Centre. So far this year, the centre has handled nearly 200 animals. As Linda Aylesworth reports, no one knows exactly why, but they have theories. This is a record year at the Vancouver Aquarium's Marine Mammal Rescue Centre. We are very busy this year. I mean, every summer we seem to get busier and busier, but this year is crazy. Of the nearly 200 marine mammals that have come here since January, 191 have been harbor seal pups, like this little guy. My husband and I pulled him out of the water after he'd been listlessly floating through a marina all day long, but we did it on your advice. It's important to call marine mammal rescue first because for too long, well-meaning people have rescued pups that weren't in need of rescuing, and in so doing, making them orphans. Not so much anymore. A lot of people are doing what we're asking them to do. They're waiting the time period, they're observing the animals from a distance, and they're calling us back, they're sending us the pictures. That people are becoming more aware of who to call could be one reason why record numbers of legitimate orphans are ending up here. Other potential factors? There might just not be as much food as there used to be for these guys, so um, maybe more of them are coming into trouble, moms can't support them. Um, they're also having pups in places where there's more and more people, so there's fewer and fewer wild places left for them. Other rescues this year include Hardy the sea otter pup, fully recovered now and living at the Vancouver Aquarium. This seven-month-old northern fur seal found emaciated and injured in January, but who has since been released back to the wild. 
and this little girl. Uh. Hi, Bella. She's a stellar sea lion pup, rescued when she was just one week old. Then there is this enormous male California sea lion, found near Spanish banks with two bullets in his head. He's completely blind, uh, but is able to eat and respond to us fairly well. While he can never go back to the wild, the vast majority will. Rehabilitation and release is always the goal here. Linda Ellsworth, Global News. All right, let's check in with our meteorologist, Christy Gordon. She's at the PNE once again with details of a drone show, Christy. That's right. Do you remember in Expo 86, they had uh, fireworks displayed to sort of... Uh, it was the finale to the day. Well, Peony is doing something similar at 10.15 every night. They're having a music and light show put on by drones, yeah. Sophie. And I'm joined by Zev Bertini. He's uh, part of the company, Aerowonics. Um, tell us about this because uh, you're only one of five companies in all of the world that does this type of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, it's a totally new technology and it's uh, really special. And uh, we have uh, a team of amazing engineers behind us. That's why we make it look so easy. So. Yeah. So tell us, people at home, what they can sort of expect tonight, for example. Sure. So we have 28 of these drones flying high in the sky, and they have little lights at the bottom, so you're only going to really see the lights. And the lights create all sorts of animations in the sky, and we've kind of got to, chosen a, a theme of uh, British Columbia and the beauty of British Columbia. So we have mounds, flowers, uh, and uh, a bird, too. So. And I've seen, and we showed some of the footage uh, to people at home. So uh, it's 10.15 every night here at the Pini at Festival Park, which is near the main stage. Thanks so much, Zev. Yeah, thanks so, for having me. Yeah, no problem. So uh, we'll be back with the weather forecast in just a little bit. All right, Christy, thank you very much. And enjoy the show tonight, everyone. It's the back-to-school supply you definitely wouldn't expect. There will always be an element that the kids think that they're invincible. The warning for students as they head back to campus. Plus, a crash course in bad timing up next. Sheriff's deputies are on the scene of an accident in Pasco County, Florida, when things get worse very quickly. Oh! 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 Ma'am! Oh! 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 A pickup truck turns into the path of another vehicle, the truck slamming into the first accident and sending two deputies and a woman flying. All three were taken to hospital, but thankfully none of their injuries was life-threatening. More than 500 people are dead in India's Bihar state after seasonal monsoon rains caused deadly flooding. This family clinging to a tree in the midst of floodwaters, just some of the hundreds of thousands have been forced to leave their homes. Many people fled on makeshift rafts or boats carrying just a few of their personal belongings, or in some cases, their animals. Critical crops have also been destroyed. More mixed signals tonight from the Donald Trump administration in response to the troubling escalation of international tension from North Korea. Trump talking tough after the rogue nation launched a missile over Japan, only to be contradicted by his own defense secretary. North Korea's latest missile launch over Japan now has Kim Jong-un and President Trump trading threats. North Korea over state media. Today, saying more missile launches are coming and could, as threatened before, be pointed at the U.S. territory of Guam. And President Trump 
over social media, tweeting the U.S. has been talking to North Korea and paying them extortion money for 25 years. Talking is not the answer. President Trump is apparently referring to Clinton-era negotiations that failed to curb North Korea's nuclear ambitions, talks that often ended with aid payments. But just hours after the president's tweet, Defense Secretary Mattis chimed in, seeming to contradict the president. We're never out of diplomatic solutions. It leaves U.S. policy confused by a 140-character burst, and that could be dangerous when it comes to North Korea. Today, U.S. troops in South Korea were preparing for the worst, testing Patriot anti-missile systems, part of annual war games. Lieutenant Colonel Mark Pileni says the missiles are essential because the 28,500 U.S. troops in South Korea and their families are in North Korea's crosshairs. Red blood cells, along with numerous other blood products, it was, you know, it took about 40 people um, donating to save my life. The do's and don'ts of the PNE prize home. If you have to go, please don't use the washrooms in the prize home. How some get a little too at home, still to come. Plus, Disney apologizes for dashing the dreams of this would-be princess. Construction on a new public safety building comes to a grinding halt in Colorado, and specialists are called in. We'll tell you why right after Christie's forecast. And as we saw earlier, Christy's down at the PNE once again. A bit of a reprieve for folks who maybe aren't sleeping well because of the hot nights, Christy. Oh, yes. Today, much cooler across the region, which is really nice and very nice for everyone down here at the Peony. There are a lot of sweaty people down here yesterday, that's for sure. Uh, we're in Festival Park, which is just in the main area of the Peony. A lot of families right here uh, enjoying their dinner. There was a sound check earlier for the Vancouver House Band, which sounds pretty good. They're about to play in just a couple of minutes. They did their sound check, and now they're just taking a little bit of a break. Now, here at the Peony, just after 4 o'clock, we had a sprinkle, a bit of a surprise rain shower across the region. It was brief, but it certainly did uh, break the spell of dry weather down here, uh, well, the welcome spell of dry weather down here across the Peony, although we do need some moisture. There's the radar imagery, and you can see the showers. It was a very weak cold front that pushed across. We were expecting it really to dry out, but a few areas saw a sprinkler too. That moisture now pushing it towards those fires near Harrison, so hopefully that could help the situation there. But certainly a huge difference across the province today with much cooler air, but not a lot of moisture, as you can see, across the region. few uh, lightning strikes in that southeastern corner. Otherwise, not much. In behind it, when we look at the bigger picture, you'll see an, a ridge of high pressure that's set to rebuild in behind this very weak cold front. And then a system in through the northwest. That's going to push in across the northern parts of the province. But very little moisture expected here across the south. Anywhere from Prince George South, once again, back to hot, dry conditions. Let's check out the northern regions for the forecast. So rain just pushing into areas like Prince Rupert, otherwise just some cloud cover for tomorrow. These areas across the north will begin to feel the effects of that next system on Friday. Down through the south, wow, what a reprieve from the hot conditions you saw yesterday. Today was a little cooler. Tomorrow will be even cooler still. So highs of only 26, for example, in through Kelowna. And for the south coast, well, today really was the coolest over the next few. We are going to slowly warm up over the next couple of days. So tomorrow, a high of 22 near the water 
water to 25 inland. We certainly will see some cloud cover in the morning, but you'll be back to sunshine by the afternoon and we'll see sunshine right through the weekend into our long weekend Monday as well. Check out those numbers. 30 degrees on Saturday for areas away from the water. Sunday, 32 degrees and same for Monday. Quick birthday shout out to Kay Posnikoff. She celebrates 101 today. Uh, congratulations. And also my dad is celebrating uh, 71 years. Maybe I shouldn't have said that, uh, dad, but yes, happy birthday to you. And in behind me here, uh, we're not... In behind me here is the uh, giant uh, lawn chairs. Always a fun thing for families to climb all over. And, of course, a lot of people taking photos down here at Festival Park. So just a brief spell of rain. And that's it so far for the Peony. A really, really nice run. All right. Great. Thanks, Christy. Construction on a new public building in the Colorado community of Thornton is on hold now after a remarkable discovery. Work crews uncovered a Triceratops skull dating back about 66 million years. It's one of only three such skulls found in Colorado. Yeah, one of the great things about the mountains is they push the dinosaurs back to the surface for us. And so that's why we have so many cool dinosaurs. So you think about it too, thinking, wow, maybe there's something underneath all that brick and mortar at <laughs> my house. So far, they've also found a horn and a shoulder blade. Once the digging is finished, the fossils will head for the Denver Museum of Nature and Science. Disneyland Paris has apologized to a three-year-old British boy and his family after he was told he couldn't dress up as a princess in the park. Noah McLean Glass is a huge fan of the movie Frozen, and he wanted to wear his Elsa dress to the Princess for a Day event. His mother says she was shocked when the park told them it was for girls only. I'm his mother, and if I'm okay with him doing it, who would Disney to tell me that he can't do that? If a little girl went to Disneyland and wanted to do a pirate experience or a Spider-Man experience, there would be no way that they would stop a girl from doing that because there would be uproar. A statement from Disney says it is not their policy to exclude boys from the Princess for a Day experience, and they promise it won't happen again. One of the Vancouver-born twin brothers who become international TV stars is hitting the television dance floor now. The official announcement this morning on Good Morning America. Up that ball! Hello! Drew Scott, who along with brother Jonathan stars in the highly rated Property Brothers shows, is the first official contestant on the 25th season of Dancing with the Stars. Yep, 25 seasons. Pressure is on. He is paired with last season's winner, Emma Slater. I don't know what that move is called. <laughs> Can you do that without hurting yourself? Uh, nope. <laughs> what, what was that? Maybe if I stood up and really... Yeah, you know what? I need the right music for it. Yeah, no. That's what my problem is. You need uh, the right a, spine for it as well. He too. has a black belt. In oh, karate that's and why he, he thinks can do that's going to oh, be okay. an advantage for him. All right. Can you do that? I'm, I'm not guessing. in public. I can't. Okay. Um, hey, Canucks are working out. Not what? training camp. Oh yes, they all get together kind of haphazardly and skate around at mm -hmm. local rinks. Yeah. After a summer of intense training. Is Jake Furtanen ready for the big show finally? The last month and a half, two months, I started really feeling it. You know, I felt like I was being myself again. The former first rounder on why he's more prepared than ever. 
And then when Squire is done with sports, he will take us through the PE Prize Home and we'll hear some of the stranger questions that the hopefuls ask when they tour the home. You missed it during the commercial break. He was. Yes. But better than what I'm doing. I, I, I've won trophies for dancing. Were you the only one in the competition? Well, you could do dancing with the really, stars. That's really a small detail you're throwing out there. <laughs> um, the uh, Canucks signed veteran forward Ryan White, a bit of a tough guy, to a tryout contract. He has bounced around the NHL. If he does make the team, it would be as a fourth liner or perhaps a spare part down in Utica. Honestly, if he can help, that's great. But the Canucks would much rather have some of their young guys step up and help, like Jake Vertanen the former first-rounder from 2014, a man the Canucks selected instead of, say, William Nylander or Nick Ehlers because they felt they needed a power forward rather than a pure skill guy at the time. Now, perhaps because he's a power forward, becoming a power forward in the NHL, you don't really do that right away, even though you're a very celebrated junior. It has taken Jake Vertanen time to become a regular big leaguer. In fact, he hasn't done it yet. But this year... Maybe he'll be able to show Vancouver that they made the right choice three years ago. He has spent all summer working with skills coaches and personal trainers to get him NHL ready. This is what a full summer of cardio training looks like on Jake Vertanen. He still hit the weights, but instead of pumping iron for three months straight, Jake went heavy on running and cycling. The results are clearly evident with a leaner version of Jake tipping the scales right now between 213 and 215 pounds. You know, I feel light on the ice and, you know, it feels like I'm faster. And I think with, I don't know, not coming into camp, I even just to get that little extra edge, I want to be probably around 210. And, you know, obviously that's going to help me just even more and make me faster and hopefully help me. So... In his second season with the Canucks, number 18, Jake Vertanen. That second season didn't go as the Canucks expected or Jake had hoped for. Vertanen struggled to meet the expectations that comes with being a high first-round selection. Same for shedding the perception of a kid who simply didn't work hard enough, or worse yet, took being an NHLer for granted. It's a label he spent 65 games and the majority of last season in the minors trying to shed. A power play goal, Jake Vertanen. Going down there is probably, you know, best for me. It's not like I just went down there and they just said, you know what, here, we'll play a lot and you can learn the game. They put me in, uh, you, you know, they put me in. I had to earn my ice time. I remember starting my first game in Utica. We had, uh, I'd probably say 10 minutes for the first game. And by the end of the season, I was getting 16 to 20. So, Vertanen didn't exactly light it up down in Utica. Nine goals and 19 points doesn't scream top six minutes at the NHL level. However, under new head coach Travis Green, it's a clean slate. A coach who knows Vertanen's makeup and a player who knows what the coach's expectations are. Should make for an interesting training camp. Obviously, I want to come into camp. I want to make the team. I have to prove to Greener and the coaching staff and Jim and Trevor and all them. You know, I got to show them that I really want it. Picks up the goal. Another Canuck out skating today was Derek Dorsett. Now, you might have forgotten about him because he had a serious neck problem last year. It required surgery, a cervical fusion to strengthen his neck, which was suffering from disc issues. But he is back after a long rehab. A couple setbacks and uh, some tough times, but um, the last two and a half months has been great. I feel great. I, um, 
my strengths back. I've uh, beefed up quite a bit through through my upper chest and my back and through my core. So um, that should help my neck uh, going forward here. And um, I'm looking to get you know back into full contact here. After 21 years with the same organization, Shane Doan has retired from hockey. He was basically released by the Coyotes after last season. He was with Arizona slash Phoenix when they first arrived in the desert from Winnipeg in 1997. 21 years with the same team. That's not just rare in hockey, but in pro sports. Doan was a definition of a leader, a captain forever, an old school kind of guy, could score, could set up goals, never shied away from anything physical. Tons of respect from all the other players around the NHL. And... He was a key member of some great Kamloops Blazers teams in the mid-90s. 1,504 NHL games, 972 points. Well, I don't know what to say about Eugenie Bouchard. Her career just seems to be stuck in reverse. Today, she was taking on Evgenia Rodina of Russia. And early on, Bouchard looked okay. But in the tie break of the first set... Rodina buried her. And then we have seen this so often with Bouchard, this year and last year. It just seems like she lets everything get away from her. Unforced errors, the look of defeat. And Bouchard went down easily to Rodina in the second set. 6-1. She is 12-17 and 17 this year. She has not made it past the second round. Since the spring, he's ranked 76. By the way, Vancouver's Vashik Pospisil played today, but his back was so sore he had to quit after the first oh, no. set, which is too bad. But right now, Denis Shapovalov is on center court. Arthur Ashe against Joe Willie Songa. We'll see how Exciting. he goes. Exciting. All right. All right. Jada Rand joins us now with a look ahead to Global News at 11. JD. Thank you. So if we have more on one of our top stories, we'll hear from the District of North Vancouver following a deadly dog attack. A Yorkshire Terrier was violently shaken last week. And BC star-studded summer continues. Hollywood A-lister Josh Brolin shares pictures of his visit to Victoria. We'll tell you where he went. That's tonight on Global News at 11. Join us then, won't you? I will. Well, thank you very much for that. It was nice of him. It, it, was, very, it was a nice invitation. <laughs> you went to the Peony Prize. Did you buy me a ticket? Uh, did you want one? I, oh, you forgot. I was either going to get you that or a cricket burger, and I couldn't figure out which to get you. Where's the cricket burger? I'm hungry. Uh, you don't want that one. We're back in a minute. Oh, there it is. The prize the home. Oh, the prize home is modular. It actually breaks into four separate pieces. Oh. It's going up to Naramata this year. We should do like a time lapse when they take it apart. That'd be a very good idea. Okay, next. Now, uh, if you go to the prize home and tons of people like to line up and go through, you'll always notice all these young hosts helping you out and telling you what's what inside the house. So we thought, let's hear from them too. So welcome to the Gourmet Kitchen. Welcome to your theater room. Here we have your 92-inch screen. One of the unique things about the P&E... You get a house tour so from people not old enough to own a home themselves. Home also going to be located on a half-acre lot. Basically. Yeah, we have about 30 prize home hosts. We hire them every year. Many of them, this is their first job. And it's really nice to see these, these kids that are often timid and shy. But after a few days, they really come out of their shell, and they're speaking to thousands of people every day, and they're only 15 years old. Some are rookies, and some have been at it for a few years, but all have faced the same questions that kind of sound like really bad dad jokes. Um, a lot of people ask, do you come with the home? Uh, do you come with the house? 
does the wine come with the house? The answer to both questions is no, but the host can give you pertinent information and their opinion of the prize home. Yeah, this one's the best one. Really? Yeah, because it's the most like open and it's like more built for like families and stuff. Um, I think the design, the furniture, the games room upstairs, the, the movie theater, it's obviously a very um, uh, great house for entertaining. For all those who buy tickets to win, this is a dream house, but some people think their dream is a reality a bit too soon. They, uh, they own the home the second they walk in the door and will treat it like their own home. So they'll hop on the bed, um, we'll, try to, we'll try to contain them as much as possible, but people like to tinker through the kitchen and jump on the bed and act as if it's their own home. But that's nothing compared to the people who decide to test the bathroom. It's almost an annual event, I'm not going to lie to you. But and someone uh, uses the bathroom. It will happen, it will happen. But, and the uh, toilets don't flush. They don't flush. No, there's no plumbing associated with this house. So Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.